This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. We're delighted to be joined by the Honorable Morris McTeague QSO, Vice President for Outreach at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University and an Executive Advisory Board Member of the International Leaders Summit. McTeague has testified on Capitol Hill and published articles in many major outlets, including the New York Times, The Atlantic, Bloomberg, Business Week, U.S. News and World Report, and the Chicago Tribune. McTeague advised the Office of Management and Budget and most federal agencies on issues of accountability and transparency and has consulted with legislators and state governors in more than 30 states. A former cabinet minister and member of parliament in his native New Zealand, McTeague was one of the architects of the New Zealand miracle, which dramatically reformed the country's government and economy by implementing market-driven pro-growth policies. He later became New Zealand's ambassador to Canada and received the prestigious Queen's Service Order in recognition of his public service from Queen Elizabeth II. And on this note, we welcome the Honorable Morris McTeague. A very good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Mr. McTeague. Good morning, Natasha. Morning, Joel. Mr. McTeague, uh, based on the Congressional Budget Office data, the U.S. budget projection for the year 2021 is $3.8 trillion in revenues, $6.8 trillion in expenditures, and a deficit of $3 trillion. The current U.S. national debt is at $28.6 trillion. So the U.S. government is spending $3 trillion of taxpayers' dollars more than it can afford. The analogy would be a family which has, for example, $50,000 of annual income to spend over $100,000 on different stuff and end up with $50,000 debt. If the family accumulates the debt from year to year, as the U.S. government does, the family would go bankrupt. Mr. McTeague, in your native New Zealand, you balanced government budget after 23 years of budget deficits. From your experience as a cabinet minister in New Zealand's government, what are your thoughts about U.S. deficits and this high tolerance for increasing government debt by the U.S. administration and legislators? I do not think that it is possible to borrow your way into prosperity. I don't think that it is possible to get richer by spending money that you don't have. So sooner or later you have to act responsibly and realize that your income limits how much you can spend. So for governments, they have choices that they need to make at the time that they pass budgets. Uh, The budget is the process by which we decide how much we're going to spend. But the budget should also be the process that we make decisions on how we're going to fund that spending. Unfortunately, in the United States case, they sort of get a pass on that because they have this thing that's called the debt ceiling limit. 
and at some stage the Treasury will say we're going to run out of spending authority and we need to increase the debt ceiling. If you've already made the decisions to spend, uh, it's a little bit illogical that at a later date you're going to decide whether or not you need to increase the debt ceiling because you have effectively already made that decision when you decided to spend. If you put those things together, you could get more responsible budgeting. So as individuals, if we're going to buy a new car, we need to sit down with the bank and we need to talk with our employer and we need to decide what our income is, how much of that is surplus and we can put into purchasing the car, how much we're going to have to borrow and when we're going to be out of that debt. Uh, government should be the same except they have got away for a long period of time without ever having to retire their debt or get back into a situation where their uh, accounts are balanced. Not true of every country, but most countries are taking a more um, liberal view of whether debt is important. And I think that's unfortunate because what actually happens when governments decide that they're going to borrow uh, to fund their activities is that they actually diminish the value of the country's currency. Who pays for that? You and I, because our dollars don't buy quite as much as they used to. So everybody thinks that prices for houses have gone up, but probably what's happened is that over a period of time, the purchasing power of dollars has gone down. So it takes more of them to buy a house or a car and that's how it's being paid for at the moment in a sort of surreptitious way that you and I don't really see unless we have somebody explain it to us and then we say, well, I don't like that very much. Uh, Mr. McTeague, almost every year we are talking about government running out of cash. And almost every year we are talking about suspending the debt ceiling that you just kindly mentioned. When the debt ceiling is suspended, the government can borrow money again and increase the government debt, which will in the end be borne by taxpayers. Uh, based on the Pew Research report, Congress has chronic inability to follow its own appropriation process for decades. In 40 years, Congress has passed the budget on time only four times. Mr. McTee, could you kindly share with us what happens behind the scenes and what needs to be done to change this dysfunctional system? If there's no consequence for bad behavior, what you get is bad behavior and more of it. So because there's no consequence for Congress or members of Congress for not passing the budget, uh, you get more occasions when they don't pass a budget. That's bad for you and I, the people, because we don't know what the government's spending plan is, we don't know how they're going to pay for it, and we don't know what the likely consequences are for us. So could you create a consequence for not passing the budget? Most countries that use the Westminster system of government, the consequence for not passing the, the budget is that it's considered to be a vote of no confidence in the government. And that means that you have an immediate new election. Couldn't really do that in the United States, but it's still a vote of no confidence in Congress that they can't actually pass a budget. My solution would be that the majority leader of the Senate and the minority leader of the Senate would have to lose their jobs if they didn't pass a budget. And in the House, the Speaker and the minority leader in the House would also have to lose their jobs and not be able uh, to be reappointed to those jobs until after another election. I think that if those two things happened, uh, the budget would be passed every year. Uh, 
So consequences, when they're quite dramatic like that, mean that they're never used. I can only recall that two countries uh, in the last 50 years that use the Westminster system have ever had to have a new election because of not passing a budget. That was Australia in 1963, and that was Canada in 2009. And in Canada, they had they failed to pass the budget in the December of 2009. They had a new election at the beginning of February, uh, and then they passed a budget. So we know in our own lives that if there are serious consequences for things that we're going to do, we're very careful that we do them properly, and we don't incur that serious consequence. Congress needs a lot more consequences for bad behavior. We thank the Honorable Morris McTeague for joining us on America's Roundtable. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. McTeague, for joining us on America's Roundtable. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. And keep up the good work. We need to talk about these things. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adensami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.